Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. I'm so honored to be back here today, and I want to speak to you from the subject, The Door to More. It's out of my brand new book, and we have a few left. I'm telling you, 9 o'clock, they did such a great job of buying them. They're $15, but I want to, I want to do something today. I want to give you two for 20 because I want you to sow this message into somebody's life. And I believe that if you buy this book today, it will be a blessing. But I do know this. If you buy this book, it will bless me. I'm joking. <laughs> but I want to talk to you for just a few moments about more. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, we see this God of more. A God that gives us a grace that's all sufficient. Mercy that's unveiled every new, every day new. A God that speaks that there is always greater on the and I'm believing with you in this 21 days. Matter of fact, you need to find some people to agree with you. Come into a partnership of prayer, believing that God has his best for you. Maybe you've not heard this, but God is for you, not against you. He's working for you. He's fighting for you. He's declaring your name even this morning. And I want you to know that I'm believing with you. We're in a 21-day fast in Tampa. So in warm weather, we're fasting. And we're partnering with our family in cold weather. But together we're going to see God do some great things in this season. And I want to read in just a moment from a book that we find that the people of God are in transition. I don't know about you, but in this last season, it just feels like the kingdom is in transition. And some of the things that caught me off guard, I didn't see a global pandemic coming. I didn't see the crazy racial unrest that would explode and you know, for our church in Tampa, we have 40 nationalities that come together every Sunday. 40 nationalities that meet every Sunday. And to see what happened in Minnesota being the epicenter of where just this unrest really gripped the globe. And then a crazy political climate that we've lived through. But I do know this, what has caught us off guard has never caught the kingdom off guard. The Father has never woken up one day and said, I did not see that coming. And I just have to believe in these moments, he always does his finest work. So I have to believe what the enemy meant for evil, God's about to turn around. What the enemy meant for evil, God's about to use for your good, for my good. Because here's what I do know. Even if it's not God sent, it will be God used. So I'm going to pray today and I, I want to read the word first. This whole chapter and really the beginning of this book in 2 Kings. It's, it's a, a book of transition. The people of God are coming out of one season into the next. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, this is what it says, verse 8. Now it happened one day. What if today was the day? Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem and there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in to eat. And she said to her husband, look now, I perceive or I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let's put a bed for him there, a, a table, a chair, a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room. 
And he laid down there. And then he said to Gehazi, servant, call the Shumanite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, saying out of her, look, you have been concerned with us for all this care. What can we do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what can be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. She stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time. I love that. When the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. Come on, before we pray, look at your neighbor and say, you have an appointment with destiny. Come on, now look at your second choice. Your other neighbor. And say, he's got you covered as well. Let me pray over you today. Father, I thank you for Creative Church. I thank you for my good friends, Pastor Jonathan and Joanne. I thank you for this amazing leadership team, every servant leader, every member, every visitor that just happened by today. Father, and I cover them believing that their next season will be a greater season. And Father, I believe what they've been through, you are using. You're using the good, the testimonies of your greatness. You're using the struggles, Father. You're using the things they even want to forget about to work in this season and take them into the next season. So Father, I believe that as you take us into seasons and out of seasons, Father, it's always for our betterment. So I pray that a new season of anointing I come into agreement with this house that in this fasting and in this prayer time that you're going to unveil and reveal what you've done and what you're doing and what you're going to do. And Father, I pray that every God desire that you've placed in the heart of your people will become a reality. Father, let it be deposited here on earth as it's already been declared in the heavens. And we will give you honor today and glory with a yes and an amen. Would you put your hands together and give him honor today? Come on, if you're in person, you may be seated today. Again, so good to be here. You know, something's been happening in the kingdom, and I get to travel a little bit, and I was in South Carolina on Wednesday evening, and I was sharing with a group of pastors, and one of the pastors said, Pastor, it feels like this last season has all been a setup for a greater season. You know, if you ever really believe that you're at the right place, you realize that where you are, you're there stationed on purpose, for purpose. Where God has you, you say, well, Pastor, I really don't want to be here. It doesn't matter if you want to be here or not. God assigned you and aligned you to the place he has you. And when you ever believe in your heart that you're at the right place, if you ever realize that you're connected to the timing of the kingdom and it's the right time, but, but here's a whole nother level. If you ever get in your spirit that you're the one, you're the one that God desires to use. You're the one that God has chosen. He has purposed you and put you in the earth. He has given you an assignment. And you're in this season where God is doing something. I really believe that the kingdom is in a season of alignment. Where God is aligning us with his purpose, with his word. He's aligning us and, and he's been rearranging some things. And it, it, it's, it's no coincidence that we look around and things feel different. And they look different because we've been in a season of alignment. I know this, that every season of assignment requires a season of alignment. If you're ever walking into a new season, it's always because God has aligned you in the 
last season. I also believe we're in a season of kingdom connectivity where God's connecting people to the right house, to the right place, to the right people. I'm telling you, the right people, they propel you. The wrong people, they derail you. There's some people you need to love from across the room. There's some people you need to love from another city. There's some folks you just need to cut right out of your Facebook thread. And it's not that they're bad people. They're just not good for you. And you may not be good for them. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our Truth Partners. If you're interested in being a Truth Partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select Truth Partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. But when you realize God wants to connect you to the right people at the right place at the right time, I believe we're in a season of kingdom connection where God is connecting the right people. But I do know this, we're in a season of kingdom advancement. You know, we've held some ground, but now we're advancing. We, we've kind of had to dig in for a season, but now we're rising up as the people of God and we're taking new ground. Why? Because every step has already been ordered. Every step has already been positioned. And I'm believing for Creative Church that your next season will be your best season and what God has for you in this next season will be revealed. You know all through the word of God we find that he moves us from glory to glory. From season to season. I love the seasons of God. From faith to faith where we build our faith and he just stacks our faith. And so many times it's, it's not the season of God's glory that the enemy comes after you. It's in the two little letters the T and the O. It's that hallway of your faith where you're not where you used to be but you're not yet where you're going. You're not where you were, but you're not yet in the fullness of your tomorrow. You're not in a place where God has completed a work, but you're not where he has already worked. And it's at that place where Jesus told Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. You're no longer in the miracles. We're not walking on water, but we're not Acts chapter 2, the upper room yet. And in this season, the enemy's coming after you. But when you fall, get back up. When you stumble, straighten your way because I am praying for you. I don't know if you know this today, but he's praying for you. He's been declaring your name long before you ever got to church today. Before you ever got fixed up, dressed up and came to church, he's been declaring your name. He's been declaring good things about you. And maybe you don't know this. God is for you, not against you. Matter of fact, he's ready to fight some battles for you. If you would let him, he will rise up and be God on your behalf. And he said... I I want you to know it's in the hallway of your faith. Sometimes the seasons of glory are glorious, but it's in the hallway is where we battle hell. It's where the enemy of our soul comes against us to try to rob us of what God has for us. And when you realize that, you understand that there's an assignment on your life. There's a purpose on your life. And I don't know what you're believing for in this first part of a new year, but I have to believe that what God has put in your heart, he wants to reveal. The promises you've been holding on. And he wants to take you. And I love uh, doorways. I love portals. You know, doorways are powerful. You know, to get here, I had to walk through the doorway of an airplane. They closed the door, took off. When I landed, I was in a whole nother state. Matter of fact, when I left, it was 70 degrees. When I arrived, it was like four. When I walked out of my hotel, I got in a car. They all required doors. I had to use a door to get in this building. They take you in and they exit all through the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. There's these portals, these places, these entry places, exit places. Matter of fact, in the book of Genesis, 
Chapter 7, it said in the 600th year, the second month, in the 17th day. I'm telling you, it was such a significant moment for, for, for uh, Noah that God chronicled the very day of his life. He didn't just say that Noah walked through the door. He said, no, in the 600th day, the second month, and the 17th day. I'm telling you, there's some of us that God is getting ready to give some kingdom moment, and God's going to mark the very place. I'm telling you, sometimes you can look for seasons and you miss the moment. But I know this, if you ever get a hold of a kingdom moment, it will take you into a season and it will take you out of season and many times it unlocks perpetual seasons 600 years second month 17 day Noah walks through a door not just any door but it was a door connected to a boat a boat he built for a generation when there was no water to float the boat it had never rained on the earth it was a dry season but Noah did all that God commanded him and he built a boat a boat that people laughed at but on the 600 year second month and the 17th day of his life he walked through a door and God shut the door behind him and fountains of a deep place began to break open and the heaven for the very first time began to give way with rain and one door can change everything. I find it was in the book of Exodus chapter 14 where the people of God came out of Egypt. But the problem was Egypt was still after them. Maybe you've come out of 2022, but 2022 is still haunting you. Maybe it's still speaking to you. Egypt came, They came out of Egypt and they find themselves stuck. Maybe this last season you feel stuck. No way out on the left, no way out on the right. An army of yesterday, not just any army, but the voice that told them who they were, what they could be, told them what they would what, what they would become. They were enslaved to this voice, and now they are out, but it is still on their trail. I tell you, it took a few days to get out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And when you understand that God brought you out for a purpose, and if you drag all your junk with you, it will follow you right into your next season. But I've got a word for somebody, shake it off and move on. Quit looking back. Quit looking behind you. Quit listening to the voices of your yesterday. And they get to a place and they're stuck. But in Exodus chapter 14, God's about to open a door. But here's what was required at that opening. God told Moses, get right to the edge of where you've never been. Get to the edge of that Red Sea. It's a night season. And the Bible said, he said, get to the edge. Take what's in your hand. I'm telling you, God only requires for you to steward what he's given you. I can't steward creative church. I'm not the pastor. But I can steward city life church. I can steward the Stewart family. I can steward what God has put in my life. And here was what God required get right to the edge of where you've never been take the staff that's in your hand and stretch maybe God's requiring a stretch out of you in this season maybe he wants you to stretch your prayer life maybe he wants to stretch your worship maybe he wants to stretch your generosity he said get right to the edge of where you've never been and begin to stretch and when Moses began to stretch in this night season it got crazy the Bible said the minute Moses stretched an angel went back to the back of them and began to guard them I'm telling you every time you stretch into a new season God declares I've got your back I've got your yesterday I've got where you've been but not only did an angel get their back the Bible said God began to breathe and all night long there was a wind that began to blow on the waters of that Red Sea and it began to part these waters and the Bible said a doorway in a wilderness began to open and not only did this doorway lead them out, this doorway silenced their adversary never to be heard from again. I'm telling you one door can change everything. In the book of Samuel we find that there was a door and in this door walked a shepherd named David and on the other side of the door there was a long haired prophet named Samuel and he refused to sit down until David arrived. I'm telling you there's 
there's some things that will not rest until you step into them. There's some things that will not give up on you that are destined for your life until you step into them. And on the other side of that door, there was a long-haired prophet and he took a horn of oil and he dumped it over David's head. He walked in a shepherd, but he left the king. One door can change everything. In the book of Mark, we find that Jesus walked into a house. And the Bible said when he got there, people were laughing and people were crying. There were some that were laughing because they thought it was crazy Jesus was even there. There were some that were crying because they thought there was no hope for a tomorrow. And Peter, and, and Peter, James, and John were with Jesus. He said, you three go in. These are my boys right here, Peter, James, and John. And then he said, I want the mother and the father because they're desperate for a miracle to go in with me. Sometimes you have to make sure you have the right people walking in your doors. Peter, James, and John, Jesus the mother and the father, one, two, three, four, five, six. The Bible said six went in. And the minute Jesus went in, the Bible said he closed the door. He closed the door on doubt. He closed the door on all the haters. He closed the door on all the scoffers. And the Bible said six went in and seven came out. I'm telling you, for some of you, what you saw go in in the last season, it's not what coming out in the next season. What you saw go in in the last season is not what he's going to work out. You saw hurt go out, but healing's coming out. You saw wounding going in, but he said restoration's coming out. You saw brokenness in the last season. Oh, he said, get ready. A testimony is about to erupt. What you saw, joy's about to cover. And when what happens in the word of God there's these moments of uh, these exit and entry points we find that Jesus said the thief comes to steal kill and destroy John chapter 10 verse 10 he said I've come to give you abundant life but if you read John verse 9 he says this I am the door to get to the abundance you've got to come through the door there's only one way to enter in the book of Revelation he said behold I stand at the door and I knock if you will open it, we will have fellowship together. Matter of fact, I'm going to open doors no man can close. I'm going to close doors no man can open. All through the word of God, Genesis to Revelation, there's these portals, these exits and entry points where God takes us out of one season and into the next. This transition. And when you realize that, you understand that God is a God that is not only Alpha but Omega beginning and end, the first and the last. And now we get to the story that we read in our text. This chapter deals with people in transition, moving out of a famine into a season that is fruitful. Beginning of this chapter, we find that, that there's a woman that comes to the man of God and she says, the creditors are coming to my house. Same chapter. And they're coming to get my kids. You know you're broke when the creditors coming after your children. You know, if you know anything about Jewish customs, she was a widow. Her children were her future. You know what she was saying to the man of God when she spoke to him? Because of my yesterday. Debt is always connected to your yesterday. The debt of my yesterday has invaded my now. But it's also trying to steal my tomorrow. Because my children will supply my tomorrow. What she was saying was, because of my yesterday, my now is messed up. But it's also trying to take my tomorrow. And here was the question, what do you have? And she said, I've got a little bit of oil. And, and, and the man of God said, oh, that's it right there because a little bit of God goes a long way. A little bit of anointing goes a long way. A little bit of oil can do a lot of work. He said, take the little bit you've got and step out on faith and begin to borrow vessel. Are, are you crazy that you just hear me? My, I'm so in debt, I can't get out of it. Uh, your credit's not good, but his is. Go borrow vessels and not a few. And the Bible said she began to borrow vessels and the house was full of vessels. And I love what the Bible says when she closed the 
door. One translation said the oil began to pour. The oil began to stir. The oil began to work. I'm telling you, sometimes you have to close the door on where you've been to allow the oil of God to begin to work. And the Bible said every vessel in the house was full. The whole chapter is about coming out of one season into a next. Now we get to the story that we just read. The Bible says that this older couple, a couple that were respected, the Bible says she was a notable woman. Everyone knew her. They were respected in the community. They were an older couple. And one day the anointing of God, Elisha, the one that carried a double portion oil, came by their house. And the minute the anointing came by, she just sent something. And she started doing something. She started cooking for the man of God because she knew the way to a preacher's heart was through his stomach. She started cooking, but I'm telling you, he must have liked it because it says as often as he passed by, he would turn in. Here's the principle. If you ever find what attracts the presence of God, just keep doing it. If you ever find that your worship attracts the presence of God, take your worship to a deeper place. If you ever find out your praise builds a platform for the presence of God, get louder in your praise. If you ever understand that your prayer life connects you to a kingdom hotline, I want you to pray a little bit longer the next time. If you ever have the revelation that generosity is like a magnet to the presence of God, become a conduit of generosity. He must have liked what he was eating because he just kept putting it out and he kept coming back. But after a while, something happened. She looked at her husband sensing God was doing something. I don't know about you, but I just have a sense that God is up to something beyond what we see or what we know. She said, I perceive this is a man of God. I know. I perceive. Perception is the eye of the spirit. It's when you see beyond the now. It's when you see beyond what you can see in the natural. It's when you just know in your spirit you don't know it all but you know that God is up to something. She said I perceive God is doing something. I can't tell you what it's going to look like but I just sense he's doing something in this house. I don't know what it's going to look like when it's all done but I just sense he's doing something in this house. I love that. I love those moments when we just sense we're in a kingdom moment and we just know that God is up to something. You, anybody ever get those goosebumps? I love those. But you know, many times as charismatic, Pentecostal spirit, whatever it is, full gospel believers, whatever label it is, maybe you embrace as a spiritual, in your spiritual journey, many times we do really good with perception, but we never go beyond that. We get in settings like this, and we hear God, we sense God, but we never walk it out. But I want, you know, this lady was determined to walk out what God had for her. She said, I perceive that he's working right now. I perceive that he's moving, but we're not going to stop at perception. She said, let's come together. Let's partner together. I'm telling on you there is power in partnership the Bible said if one can put a thousand to fly and two can put ten thousand to fly the Bible says two are greater than one I'm here today because of kingdom partnership because me and Pastor Jonathan are in relationship that's why you need somebody in your life that's why you need godly people to surround you that's why we need to lift one another's arm and encourage one another and look at one another and declare your best is yet to come I'm believing in you and for you that what God has started he's going to finish he's not forgot about you he knows exactly where you're at he knows you're in from your beginning he's the one writing your story she said let's partner together I believe two reasons they begin to partner together first she needed his giftings our giftings are different that's why the kingdom is is so intricate in its in its setup because we all have different giftings to advance the kingdom I love to sing but I'm not a singer I sound good by myself I'm like, I can hit every note. I mean, I'm on pitch. That's why I get around people. 
But we have different giftings. But I, I believe this. She understood he was the covering of that house. Your authority will only be walked out to the level you understand the covering of your authority. She understood he was the authority of that house. I'm telling you, the kingdom operates in kingdom order. And she understood he he was the head of that house. She said, let's partner together. The power of partnership is so strong. But then they took it to a whole nother level. They are in a famine. They have just lived out. People are dying. It is not a time to invest. But she looks at her husband and said, if we're going to live out what we believe God is doing, we're going to have to invest in it. We're going to have to invest in what we believe God is doing in this season. Let's build an upper room and let's furnish this room so he doesn't just pass by. He dwells for a while. Let's put a bed, a table, a chair, a lampstand so when he comes by, he stays a little longer. That's what this 21 days is about. Building a place for God to dwell. Building a place that we don't just pass by him or he passes by us on a Sunday but we find out he's dwelling on a Monday and on a Tuesday on a Wednesday on a Thursday on a Friday and on a Saturday with us so when we do arrive here on a Sunday I'm telling you the atmosphere is already ready we walk in here with something in our spirit and from the very first song something rises out of us from the very first chord we realize it's on God's about to do something today we're in a new season and a new day they, they wanted to build a place for him to dwell and something begin to happen as they begin to invest and they begin to build a room. You know, our story in Tampa really started with a season of investment. I was in the mountains of Nicaragua. I was past, I was preaching in these different cities. I was kind of on a little tour and uh, it was about 10 years ago in our journey and our church was, it wasn't real small, but it was much smaller than it is now. We had about four or 500 people at the church, but we had young people. I mean, we were like one week away from being broke. Nobody had any money. We were coming out of a recession And um, I was in the mountains of Nicaragua and I was moving from Esteli to Managua. And we stopped by a little uh, town, really a little, uh, just a little stop in the road. And it was me and the overseer, the bishop of these churches that I was preaching for. And it was our translator. Our translator's name was Ronald Reagan Garcia. True story. (laughs) So me, the bishop, and Ronald Reagan Garcia, we stopped. We were just stopping to check on one of these pastors. And the minute I got out of the car, I hold the Holy Spirit and say, Tell the pastor you're building the church. I didn't have any money. I was just barely building a church in Tampa. And the minute he came out, as we began to talk, I told the transfer, ask him if he's ever thought about building a church. Ronald Reagan Garcia asked him. He ran in this little room, pulled out a set of plans, came back out, laid them on the hood of a truck. They were hand-drawn. He showed us where the church would go. I asked him how much it would cost. He said about $30,000. I told the translator to tell him we had built the church. He ran and got his family, his wife, his two daughters. They came out. He told them I was going to build them a church. Now, $30,000 at that time for us was like $300,000 in that season of our ministry. They began to cry, jump around. I began to cry. They're crying because I'm going to build a church. I'm crying because I have no money. <laughs> but I got in the car after telling them that I'd start sending them money in the next several weeks. We'd eventually build that church and many others. But when I got in the car, it felt like the enemy was riding in the passenger seat with me. Tony, you are crazy. You can't hardly pay your bills in Tampa. And you're going to build this man a church. I mean, I didn't have any board with me. There was nobody there to tell me they'd invest in it. I just stepped out on a word I felt from God. But a whole ride back to our next place. And when I got to the next city, my cell phone started to work after we got out of the meeting. And I realized I had missed like seven or eight calls. And I began to listen to messages. And it was a professional football player that played for the Buccaneers named Derek Brooks. And so I called Derek back, not thinking a lot. Derek could come by church some. And, 
And I said, Derek, what can I do for you? He said, he said, Pastor, I want to talk to you about the church building. He didn't say for what. I said, well, I'm out of the country. I'll be home Monday. He said, can we set up a meeting? I said, how about 4 o'clock? He said, that's fine. I get there, and Derek brings 14 people with him. I said, Derek, what do you want? He said, we want to buy this building. I said, you want to buy this 40-year-old church building in the hood? He said, we want to start a charter school for inner city children. And your building is the only location. Our building was worth a million and a half, two million on paper. If you could find a buyer, nobody was buying old churches in this recession. I said, for us to sell it, take $8 million. What I did not realize that one of the gentlemen with him was named Ed DeBartlow that owned the San Francisco 49ers. They left, didn't think much about it any longer. A few days later, I get a call from an attorney. He said, my name is David Mallets. He said, I want you to know uh, the DeBart Lowe's and Derek Brooks said to tell you they'll take it. I said, you'll take what? He said, we'll buy your building. I said, what are you talking about? They'll give you $8 million. I, I said, I said, you may not understand this, but I need to talk to my board. I was just hypothetically speaking. I said, I need to talk to my wife. I said, and I've got to talk to God. And the guy said, well, whatever you need to do, let us know. I said, how are they going to pay for it? He said, they're going to write you a check. I said, can they bring cash? No, I didn't. I didn't really. I'm joking. I said, well, give me a few days. We met with our, our board, and we felt like it was a kingdom moment for us. And I'm telling you, as I said before, you, you can look for a season and miss the moment. You can look for what God is doing in a season, and you can miss the moment. But I found that it's a moment of the kingdom that will thrust you into a season. And many times, unlock perpetual seasons in your life. We felt it was a God moment for us. And we, we called back, and we said, you know what, we'll take it. We didn't know where we were going, but I was driving past our football stadium where the Buccaneers played. And um, when I passed, I saw them taking down a sign for a Super Albertsons uh, grocery store, 89,000 square foot box building on the third busiest corner in the city. And I said, that's got to be our building. I called this man. I was all faith fired up, you know. And I said, man, we've sold our church building. I need to buy your building. He laughed at me. He said, Mr. Stewart, thank you for calling, but we have 23 bids, Walmart, Publix. He went down the list, and every time he said a name, my faith began to drown. He said, you know, this is one of the busiest corners in the city, right in the shadow of the stadium. Everybody wants this property. He said, thanks for calling. Well, I got up the next moment because I perceived God was doing something. I didn't know what. I called back. When I asked for the gentleman, he's out sick. God had already put something on this man for laughing. At, no, I'm joking. <laughs> It was like a head cold. It wasn't like a sickness under death or anything, you know. Just enough to get him out of the office. I said, is there anyone else I can talk to? Another gentleman came to the door. He uh, phoned, he introduced himself. He said, my name is Josh. How can I help you? I don't know why. I start the conversation from Nicaragua. I said, I was in the mountains of Nicaragua. I told him about Ronald Reagan. I told him through the whole story. He said, now I've sold my building and I need to buy yours. The phone went dead silent. I think this man thinks I'm crazy. I just told him I talked to God and God talks to me. You know, this guy probably thinks I'm nuts. You know, he's a, some businessman in Atlanta. But this is what he did say when he began to speak. He said, Pastor, I'm the vice president of the company. I will give my recommendation to the owner of our company of what he should do with the building. But he said, I'm also the chairman of our mission board at my local church. He said he flew to California. He said he met with, with the owner of the company. He said they all laid out their presentation. He said when we got done, the owner said, are there any more? He said, well, they're not a presentation, but I've got a, a story I want to tell you about a church. He said, I told him your story. He said, when I got to the part about Ed DeBartlow, the owner of the 49ers, our owner said, I know Ed. I guess billionaires, they just roll in packs, you know. They hang together. He said, I know Ed. He said, you know, if the church can buy the building, let them have it. I'm telling you, they gave us the keys. We hadn't bought the building. We walked through the building in a 
immediately my heart was gripped with fear. I thought, what are we doing? We're getting ready to move into this. It looked like an airplane hangar, no walls. It was just this massive building. And my heart started beating. And I grabbed my wife's hand and I said, Lord, help me. Let me know what you're doing. I need to hear your voice. I need to find your purpose and your will. And God being my witness, I walk in the office of this grocery store. And when I walked in the office of this grocery store, there was a plaque hanging on the wall. We're not in an old church. We're not in an old temple. We're in an old grocery store. And hanging on the wall, there looks like there's a plaque. It looks like it's been there 15 years and this is what it says the will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot protect you we bought that building 20 weeks later we were worshiping in the first six months a thousand new people came in the last 10 years we've taken in over 5,000 new members in COVID we baptized over 500 we baptized over 500 people last year we had a thousand people say I'll tell you what happened in the mountains of Nicaragua I perceived God was doing something and it built a doorway to a place that I could not get in the natural and there are some of you that God is stirring your heart and stirring your spirit in this time of fasting I'll tell you what happens in this story the Bible said eventually the man of God in the room he looks for something to do that could bless the lady he said call for her he called for her she came and he said this can we speak to the commander of the army or the king on your behalf we heard about a new subdivision going on over here and we've got an inside track we can move you to a better part of town can we talk to them for you she said, oh no, I dwell among my own people. What she was saying, we perceive God is doing something right here. Sometimes we move way too quickly. Sometimes we exit a season way too quickly. Sometimes we throw up our hands way too quickly. And God would say, just wait, I'm working on your behalf. The man of God looks at the servant and said, what can we do for her? She's been so good to us. The food's so good. The room is so nice. She has been so kind. But he looked at her and said, you know, the room is nice. But let me tell you, they have no children. And her husband is old. I think he's being gracious because the lady's been cooking the food. The husband's old. There's no, here's really what he was saying. The food's good, the room's nice, but there's no future. This is as good as it will ever be. There's no future for this house. You know, it's comfortable, but, but this in this comfortability, this is as good as it will ever be. And the Bible said he called for her a second time. And the Bible said she came. And I love what the Bible said. She stepped into a doorway. And the Bible said when she stepped into the door, she was about to be given a word that would change everything. The man of God looked at her and said, this time next year, this time next year. Matter of fact, you need to get your spirit ready. This time next year, you are going to have a son. This word was so strong, it staggered her. She said, man of God, do not lie to me. Do you realize this is the one promise I've given up on? You realize I've given up on this long ago. When I look in the mirror, I'm reminded it's impossible for me to have children. When I look at my husband, I'm reminded it's impossible for me to have children. When I go to the market and I hear children play, I'm reminded of the impossibility of this promise. I've given up on this, but I love what the next verse says. At the appointed time, at the appoint, not just another day on the calendar, not just another mark on the wall, but at the appointed time, just as the man of God said, she had a son. I've come to tell somebody today at Creative Church, you may have given up on it, but God never did. And in this season of fasting, grab hold of the yes for your life. Grab hold of the amen for your life. I want you to understand there's these kingdom moments where we rise up and fail. Oh, it's not for the weak need or the faint of heart, but it's when worshipers rise up, when there's no song to sing. It's for those that rise up in a season that there's no prayer to pray, but they still rise up and they get right to the edge of where they've never been and they begin to stretch and they begin to stretch their faith and declaring God is at work I can't see but I perceive 
believe he is doing something. So I'm getting ready to lock arms with the kingdom in partnership. And I'm going to invest in what I believe God is doing. Because I've come to tell someone today, get ready. In this next season, God's about to surprise somebody. He's about to show up and flip the script and turn some things around. He's calling prodigals home. He's raising up generational anointing. I'm telling you, he's calling in promises. He's stamping marriages and he's renewing vision. You know, I was reminded when I was on, on my way here, I, I saw a young lady at the airport. And when I saw her, it reminded me of a testimony in my life. It, it was a season where I was in some transition of ministry. And I, I'd been invited by the White House. Now, that's not a political thing, because it didn't matter to me if there's a Republican or a Democrat, because God always has the final word. Proximity is everything. It, it doesn't matter. It's an independent. I'd go, you know, I'm a person of prayer, a person of faith, and proximity is everything. But I got invited on this trip down to the border, and it was like the who's who of preachers. It was like Pastor Jensen Franklin, uh, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, Pastor Rod pa I think they had one spot left, and they said, invite that guy from Tampa. Nobody else wants to go. So I felt like it was a kingdom moment. It ultimately would be. It would open doors for me to go on Fox and Friends and CNN and just give me a whole new um, opening and realm I'd never walked in. I felt like it was a kingdom moment. So I booked my ticket, went through Secret Service clearance, and went with this group of pastors. And, and when I got to the airport, I, with my ticket, my bags, I was ready. The weather changed. And if you've been in Florida very often, you realize the weather can change like that. We got to the airport, lightning began to fall, all the planes were grounded. Now I travel enough to know that if your plane is too late, you'll miss your connecting flight. We sat there for 30 minutes, I got my, my phone out, began to look at the next flight and I realized if we did not take off soon, I would miss my connecting flight. Another 30 minutes, I realized that I was going to miss my connecting flight. I get up to go to the gate agent to tell her I'm going to get off the plane because I've been stuck in airports before. I found out Delta doesn't wait on me. They just close the door and go. And when I get to the gate agent, all of a sudden the lady at the gate says, Pastor, well, I didn't know this lady, but I didn't want to act like I did not know this lady. I'm like, oh, hey. She says, you don't know me. I use a sister. I said, sister, you know, that's good when you don't know their name. Brother, you know. She said, I've been coming to the church about three months. She said, the sermon series we've just come out of on prayer. She said, it's revolutionized my family. She said, I've been declaring over my husband, over my children. I've been speaking over co-workers, and God is opening doors for me to minister. Matter of fact, he even prompts me to pray for passengers. She introduced herself. She said, my name is Jackie. I said, Jackie, that's awesome. Let me pray for you, Jackie, that God was you. Then finally she said, Pastor, what can I do for you? And I told her I was on this trip, going to meet these pastors. And I was going to miss my connecting flight. And I said, you know, I think I'm just going to get off the plane. I said, um, I, I'm not going to take the flight. I'm going to be stuck in Houston. And she said, oh, no, you're not. You're going to make that flight. Now, I'm thinking Jackie's going to get on the computer and rework the flight. I said, oh, that's awesome, Jackie. I said, is there another route? She said, no, no, I'm going to pray you make it. Well, I want to look like the man of faith and power. I'm like, oh, Jackie, that is awesome. Praise the Lord, you know. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be stuck. I'm just being honest. I go sit down. We sit there another 20 minutes. Finally, they let us on the plane. And when I got on the plane, 
I'm thinking, well, at least we're going to take off. We sit there another 15 minutes. Finally, I push the button. The attendant comes over and said, can I help you? I said, I think I'm going to get my stuff, get off the plane. I said, I'm going to miss my connecting flight. And there's no other connecting flights going to McAllen, Texas. He said, well, grab your stuff. We're closing the door. I said, well, if you're closing the door, I think I'll stay. He said, it doesn't matter to me. Make up your mind. <laughs> About three or four minutes later, he comes back over. He said, Mr. Stewart, you'll be all right. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you'll make your connecting flight. I said, are you sure? We're over an hour late. It's getting ready to take off in about 30 minutes. He said, I'm positive. I said, how can you be positive? He said, because the pilot of this plane is the pilot of your next plane. He said, it cannot take off until you arrive. I'll tell you what happened. We landed in Houston. I didn't even get off with everybody else. Me and the pilot walked down a ramp. We got in a four-door Porsche and Delta drove us to the next gate. I was on the plane before anybody else. I'll tell you what was happening. There were some things that I was walking through. You didn't know about it. You couldn't see it. The church was doing good. My family was doing great. But it was stuff right here. There was a battle going on within me. And right there on that tarmac, I forgot about my trip. And the Holy Spirit spoke said, Tony, I'm not only flying the last leg of the journey, but I'm flying the next leg of the journey. And your next season cannot take off until you're on board. I've come to create and tell you God's got this. He's opening a door. It's not for the weak knee or the faint of heart. But it's for people willing to rise up in a dry season and declare, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. It's for those that rise up in a songless season and they open their mouth and they find a hallelujah. It's for those that rise up and declare for me and my house. I don't know about everybody else, but we will serve the Lord. I'm telling you, God's doing something in this day. He's raising an army. He's defining a people. He's declaring, get ready. Get ready. I positioned you. This is the place. Now is the time. And you are the one. There's something happening. And I don't know exactly what it all looks like. But I perceive. I just sense in my spirit. I just feel a stirring. And it's calling me to step into places. It's calling me to reach for higher places. It's calling me to be settled in His presence. Not knowing every detail. Sometimes we have trouble with that. But He says, just rest in me. You know, I find that the thing about this story was this. Listen, there was a bed in there. And there was something about when the anointing came and laid on that bed. I believe it just brought rest to that. Sometimes you have to rest in the anointing. He said, Pastor, you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know what God is doing in me. And, you know, I, it seems like the promise of my life has just died. My marriage, my finances, my health. I keep reading 2 Kings chapter 4. One day the promise is in the field with the Father working. The Bible said the promise grabs his head, his child. You know, most of the things that take you out aren't around you. They're in you. They start right here. The things that destroy you, destroy our purpose, derail our destiny, they start right here. The Bible said the promise grabbed his head and he falls over and he dies. The father picks up the promise not knowing what to do and he takes the promise to the mother. The mother, I'm sure, stricken with grief, 
and it hits her. The Bible says she walked through the door. Laid the child on the bed. Looked at the servant and said, get a donkey ready and get me to the man of God. Get me to the presence of God. And then she said, do not slack on my account. She said, put the pedal to the metal. Get me to the presence of God. And the Bible says she gets to the presence of God. And the man of God sends out word and says, how is it with your husband? How is it with you? And how is it with your son? She knew her husband was probably devastated. I'm sure her heart was broken. And she knew the reality. Her son was laying dead on that bed. But she also knew there was a doorway to another realm. And she said, in the natural, it's crazy. In the natural, I can't figure it out. In the natural, I don't know what God is doing. But in my soul, it is well. With my soul, it is well. It is well. And something activated the man of God. He walked to the house. Walked through the door. Closed the door. And before he opened it again, the promise begin to live I'll tell you what God is doing in this season for some he's giving new promise for others he's reviving dead promise for some he's getting ready to show new vision for others he's going to fulfill old vision I'll tell you what that door was it wasn't just another doorway in the house but it was a doorway they built through perception it was a doorway they built by faith it was a doorway they built through investment it was a doorway they built through partnership it was a doorway they built through prayer it was a doorway they built through worship it was a doorway they built by declaration and for some of you what you did not see in the last season you just thought you were battling the enemy and fighting against hell but God said no no you've been building a doorway you've been building a doorway to another level you've been building a doorway to a greater season and when he called for her she stepped in the doorway I'm not going to ask the prayer team to come today but I do want you to do something if you feel like God is taking you to somewhere you've not been. If you really feel like he's revealing a promise or maybe reviving a promise or working in you. Or you just perceive that God is doing something. The Bible said he called for her and she stepped into the doorway. One translation says she stood in the threshold. Threshold's a powerful place. It's the place where you're not where you used to be. But you're not where you're going. It's that place, the T and the O, where you're not in the next season, but you're not in the last season. She stood at the threshold. He said, this time next year. But here's what happened. When he called for her, when he spoke her name, the Bible said she came. Here's what I'm going to challenge you today. I want to pray over you. I don't want to pray with you. But just maybe you're one of those that say, I perceive God is doing something. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I just know he's working. I want you to envision this altar, these aisles, as a threshold to a new season. A threshold of promise, a threshold of purpose, and a threshold of power. Because when she stepped in, something crazy happened. He said, oh, get ready. Get ready this time next I've already given up on that. This time next year, just as the man of God, she had an appointment with destiny at the appointed time. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around.
around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.